So I just cracked a beer, a Guinness Extra Stout, not a sponsor of the podcast, but the reason I cracked a beer is because I've done about, I don't know, 50 takes to try to get on a good roll here to discuss the topic I want to discuss right now. And I've been going around in circles for two weeks on this thing. I have been trying to write a blog post and... The working title is Legitimate Criticism of Scientific Authority in the Age of Trump. Now, I don't want to get all too political on you, but what I kind of mean by that is we have this atmosphere or environment where everything is just fake news. Nobody knows what to trust. Nobody knows what constitutes a a well-informed perspective because all sources of information are sort of um, under scrutiny right now you know what's um, what's a legitimate perspective is there really any unbiased source of information that hasn't been hopelessly corrupted by one vested interest or another so on the one hand you have that and you don't want to feed into these trends of anti-intellectualism and just say ah you know who cares if you know the vast majority of climate science or scientists say that there's global warming because, you know, I don't think that's true. I think they're, you know, they're all being paid off by liberals or something like that. And it, and you can go back and forth and it's, it's really hard to have a productive conversation with someone when any evidence that you produce or data that you refer to is just going to be called into question. So on the one hand, I really battle against that, and I want to prop up the legitimacy of scientific authority. But on the other hand, I'm really anti-authoritarian at heart, and I'm constantly questioning on this podcast and uh, on my website uh, various authorities and experts, especially in the field of um, mental health information and you know health information in general. So I'm really... I'm going round and round because it's it's really difficult to sort of sort all this stuff out. And I've been reading several articles every time I, I sort of get going. I read a new tweet or listen to a new podcast that stimulates my thinking. So just a few minutes before starting this, I read a tweet from Alan Francis, who I've referenced on the podcast before. He's the former chair of the DSM-4. So he created the manual that really decided what was considered a legitimate psychiatric disorder for about 20 years from the 90s all the way to 2013, the DSM-4 held sway. But since then, um, Dr. Francis has really been questioning not only the establishment view in psychiatry, which has been codified in the new version of the DSM, the DSM-5, but also in, in health science in general. So today, Francis tweets, quote, The fatal combination of commercialism, careerism, and sensationalism has made it difficult to believe any medical research findings. So that's pretty sobering. So on the one hand, you want to make an appeal to all the uh, anti-intellectuals of the world. Hey, you need to respect science. But at the same time, you want to be able to call out the flaws in science and other authorities. So this is the tricky thing for me. And I've been reading, you know, all kinds of articles on this, and I'm still 
sort of struggling to sort of find angle. One of the seminal things that was published, um, a paper back in 2005, by John Yanidis, I-O-A-N-N-I-D-I-S, Yanidis. He published an article, and it was very provocatively titled, Why Most Published Research Findings Are False. And this is one of the most referenced research papers in the last 10 years. And he's basically pointing out how because of misaligned incentives, a, you know, a publish or perish type of environment in the um, especially medical research community where people's careers are going to be made, made or broken on whether or not they get research published. There's all kinds of uh, corrosively corrupt influences that have crept in there where researchers will only publish positive findings and sort of hide negative findings. I believe that's called the file drawer effect where you could do a study and, and it could not show what you want it to show a hundred times and then do it 101 times and then it does show an effect and you just ignore the fact that you just did you know a hundred other studies that didn't show anything. And then there's something called p-hacking, which is a statistical game that a lot of researchers can play to sort of find statistical significance where it really is not there. And there's all kinds of uh, games like this that when you have a massive incentive to come up with a provocative or interesting finding that supports your point of view or supports the agenda of the people backing you financially, for instance... Uh, when the DSM-5 was coming out back in 2013, there were many articles showing there were, there were so many conflict of interest. Like people that were deciding what was going to be a disorder or not were being funded by the pharmaceutical industry, who has an enormous stake in having customers that are going to get a given diagnosis or not. So, so here you are. You want to you wanna be able to prop up the scientific enterprise and the enterprise more generally of reason and rationality. And then when someone says, uh, but when someone cites something from, you know, the experts in the field of psychiatry, I'm the first to say, hey, you shouldn't believe a thing they say, you know, because they're, they're full of crap. So I don't really know exactly um, how to escape this conundrum or resolve it. And uh, as I'll, I'll link to on my website, uh, both. Uh, where this podcast will be embedded and when I finally hopefully publish this article. There's so many interesting articles. Um, if, if you read Yanidis' original article on why most published uh, research findings are false, that's fascinating. There's a bunch of follow-up things um, about how Yanidis is pointing out that evidence-based medicine has just been terribly hijacked and you know, echoing Dr. Francis's tweet that I read. It's like, it's really hard to know what to trust and who to trust. But there's various resources, I think, that are out there that I'm discovering that can help. One of the sort of fun websites I found uh, is called Calling Bullshit in the Age of Big Data. So it's a whole, it's a couple of academics that have put together a syllabus and a course, and you can go onto their website and really check it out. But um, their mission, so here's, here's just a quote from their website. They say, the world is awash in bullshit and we're sick of it. And so their mission is, quote, 
to help students navigate the bullshit-rich modern environment by identifying bullshit, seeing through it, and combating it with effective analysis and argument. So that's something I can definitely get behind. And I've stressed before the importance of critical thinking I don't think can be overestimated. So that's really how you can reconcile, I think, this tension between anti-intellectualism and anti-authoritarianism. So you can challenge authority without being an anti-intellectual simply by using good critical thinking and backing up what you're saying with sound arguments, reason, and evidence. The trick is whenever you refer to evidence in the form of a study or data, the person you're talking to is not going to have read that study. And in real time, while you're having that discussion, you're not necessarily going to be able to convince them that it's valid. And when I'm having a discussion with other people, this is the roadblock I consistently run into. Someone will make reference to either a study that I don't have time to read and evaluate in the moment, or they'll just speak from authority. There'll be some authority person figure that they trust, and because that person says something, then that legitimates their point of view because that person is a quote-unquote expert. So these things are tricky. There's a few things... Um, as I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately, I love the uh, the Joe Rogan experience, and he brings this up a lot on his podcast with a lot of different guests that he's been talking about, where they're also preoccupied with this notion of what is truth and how do we figure out what's kind of legit. And one of the concepts that I found especially useful is this concept of steel manning. Most people are familiar with the concept of the straw man, where you're having a discussion with someone and either they take your point of view and they make a character of it and then just shoot down that point of view, which really isn't your point of view, or you do the same to them and you feel unheard and your egos get involved and the conversation goes nowhere. Steel manning is really the opposite of straw manning. In steel manning, you're going to try to bolster their argument and argue against the best possible version of it. Even if they didn't present it very cogently or if they present an argument and you can see a better version of their argument when you're summarizing their point you can even make their argument stronger by you know maybe even citing some evidence that they didn't bring up that supports their argument and articulating their argument in a really strong way and then arguing against that you're much uh, you're going to be much more likely to learn something and much more likely to move the argument forward because one of the things that frustrates me is there's all there's always going to be reasonable disagreement out there there's so many topics that are very complex and you have standard arguments say about abortion where you can have two people that are being reasonable that are citing evidence that are making sound arguments still disagree so you can have reasonable disagreement but it seems we're seeing this less and less we're not even getting to that place of reasonable disagreement because people aren't using sound critical thinking processes to even arrive at that place. Everybody's just throwing out their opinions as if, you know, the mere fact that we're all um, entitled to have an opinion means that all opinions are equally valid. And this is something that drives me nuts too. There's another interesting quote as I was reading through some of the stuff. It comes from Isaac Asimov, 
and it the idea is uh, a lot of this um, anti-intellectualism is kind of speciously linked to the concept of democracy in this way, where, as Asimov puts it, people think, quote, my ignorance is just as good as your knowledge. And that's when it seems like anybody can just say, you know, well, that's what you think, and here's what I think, and, you know, I watch Fox News, you watch MSNBC, we're never going to kind of be able to come together here. So anyway, I'm hoping that the more and more I write about this, I can make some sense of it, because it's something that I don't simply want to come across as purely anti-psychiatry or anti-establishment mental health when I'm going on a lot of my rants. I want to be for something. I also want to put forth something positive and not just just tear things down. And I know it's not going to be convincing if I just say, hey, you know, the arguments that these experts from Yale and Harvard and these federal agencies, they're all wrong and their research is garbage and you should listen to me, um, who's really not, you know, an expert researcher. That's not going to be very compelling. So I just want to be able to just show through sound critical thinking and reasoning and when I can make reference to a study or to science, I want to be able to actually describe the science and the research I'm talking about so that anybody that's listening to the conversation can sort of judge for themselves if that's good evidence for or against my argument. So I'm hoping I'm able I'm hoping I'm able to do that as I sort of move forward. So in sum, uh, I'm hope, hope I'm able to get this article out. So just check my website, Integral Health Resources. Right now, like I said, uh, the article is tentatively titled Legitimate Criticism of Scientific Authority in the Age of Trump. Uh, I may or may not leave that Trump part in there because that, uh, again, is maybe unnecessarily push buttons and make it hard to sort of move to a productive place. But I genuinely want to figure out a way to grapple with issues not only in the field of, of healthcare and mental health care, but politics and everything. Like how do we how do we ha- get push through difficult conversations and um, a multiplicity of points of view in a productive way? And I think it's a definitely a, a really worthwhile project to try to get behind. So we'll see how that goes. Um, that's really all I have for now. Hopefully I'll be able to, like I said, share the article with you soon. If you have any questions, you can leave comments. Uh, my Twitter handle is integral underscore health. Uh, with the at sign in front of that, at integral underscore health, or you can find other contact uh, information on the Integral Health Resources website. So that's it for now. Catch you later. I'm going to enjoy the rest of my Guinness Extra Stout, and I hope everybody is uh, doing well. Talk to you next time.